I'm Julia Sherbakov, and this is Impact Journey. Conversations with hidden heroes making big societal change. You can be in a room and still be alone. It was quite interesting having conversations around beauty and women of color with white men. I had something really valuable to say and no one wanted to hear me say it. Imagine if someone did want to hear me say it and imagine if they actually made a lot of money from it. The three of us know that we are working on game-changing technologies. There has to be more women like us out there. Today, I'm happy to welcome Regina Gwynn. About her impact, Regina is co-founder of Black Women Talk Tech, a collective of Black women tech founders focused on building billion-dollar startups. And she herself is a tech founder of Trestmore, the first beauty booking platform for busy multicultural professionals. Now, about her journey, as you'll hear, Black Women Talk Tech has been a runaway success beyond what Regina and her co-founders expected. A small conference has turned into a global network that now channels support and investment to founders who may not otherwise have it. And what we explore and what is important now for our economy to recover is what it takes to successfully support big untapped opportunities, which is all about creating spaces, physical spaces, virtual spaces, safe spaces, honest spaces. And I think we can all learn a lot from this conversation with Regina Gwynn. One of the things I like to start with is the driving forces that have guided you up to this point and two that I've noted in your background. One that's retail, fashion, beauty, and yes. a whole other force that's around entrepreneurship and tech and business and independence. And I'm kind of curious what inspired both of those. I've heard a little bit about Gem and the Holograms, which was also <laughs> my favorite cartoon when I was like, Yes. 11 or 12. Absolutely. So I just wanted Absolutely. to throw that out there. <laughs> that is the perfect thing. So definitely, if I were to start with entrepreneurship, it starts with my dad. So my dad was an entrepreneur. His dad was an entrepreneur. I grew up in a household where the idea of owning your own business and driving your own financial security, shall we say, you know, in front of me every day. And what or, did he do? He ran a recycling firm. This was at the height of starting to have more green initiatives where banks and companies had to get rid of tons and tons of paper waste, paper products. Wow. So he so was he, ahead of the time on sustainability and recycling. Yeah, I get Yeah. Look back on it. He saw the economic opportunity. He started off actually as a corporate salesperson for international paper products. He used to sell the paper and then on the back end turned around and recycled the paper. So I think it was really early on that I said, I don't know what I'm going to do, but I'm going to run something. And I think it was the combination of learning how to knit and crochet by my mom, designing my own prom dress in high school, wow. you know, always wanting to be connected to the fashion industry and just loving being a girl. Like I, I love women. I love the idea of our power and our beauty and how it's translated in so many different ways, how it can be a gift and a curse. Beauty was something that came along a little later, but also represents something similar in terms of appearance and perception and power are all wrapped up in how we show up, whether that's in personal or professional settings. And particularly for women of color, hair is a very 
charged subject. And so it was really interesting and also important for me to be a part of that conversation around the fact that loving and embracing who you are, period, how you show up, how your hair comes out of your head is just a part of your personal DNA. And it is always a strength and should never be seen as a place of being uncomfortable or frustration or negative perception. Mm, That makes a lot of sense. And I'd love to hear where that switch happened in you because you spend a lot of time in very kind of traditional corporate settings, right? You were at Macy's, you were a monitor, you went to business school. And like you said, there was almost this switch from trying to like fit into someone else's box, <laughs> living on your own terms and, and actually embracing it and making that actually the driver of your work. Where did that switch for you? That is a very good question. So it was interesting because all throughout my career, even at Macy's, I had a chance to launch brands. I got to launch Inc. International Concepts for Men in 2003 American Rag Junior's brand in 2005. So I was kind of an intrapreneur. I was at the apparel group, the smaller women's apparel company charged with launching their first e-commerce platform. So it was always running things, but just with other people's money. But I kept thinking like, I'm making money for everybody else but me. And I had started my company while still working. So I was doing it on the side. And I was taking extra long lunches (laughs) and I was taking my time in building this business. And ultimately I started to say, okay, how much more money could I be making if I focused on it versus focusing on my corporate job? And that was really the time where like things switched for me. And I said, let's see if I can do this. (laughs) If I can't, I'll go back to corporate America. If I can't do it, then I at least say I will have tried as opposed to, I don't want any regrets. I don't want to not try and have someone else take my idea, but no one can do my ideas the way I can. So I have to be the one that actually goes and makes that happen. Amazing. And so, yeah, let's talk about those ideas because I think what's so interesting is a lot of the people I talk to are noticing and solving a problem in the market. It sounds like for both of your initiatives that you've started, uh, so Mm -hmm. Tresenoir and for Black Women Talk Tech, you Mm -hmm. were noticing an opportunity, something that was missing. In the first case for Tresenoir, did you think you'd be starting a tech company? We originally started Tresenoir out of just needing better styling and salon services. So my business partner and I, Octavia, we had had just out-of-body experiences <laughs> being frustrated in hair salons. You're there all day. You, I literally got to the point where I was bringing food, water, phone charger, waiting to get your hair washed or waiting for the stylist. It was just a wildly inefficient process. And for someone who was busy in corporate America, my business partner is a doctor. He's got two kids. So she definitely doesn't have time. Whatever this is, it has to be done better. I'm not a stylist, but I am a subject matter expert in sitting in a hair salon all day. So let me find ways to improve that process. And how can we use technology to, in fact, make that process better? So we definitely approached it from a technology innovation approach, but we had no idea what the hell we were doing. (laughs) 
Like, none, no idea, Julia. Clearly, it took off and there were more people like you who needed the exact same service. And then I'm curious how you got to the next systemic challenge, which I read somewhere that you and your co-founders were often the only Black women at tech conferences and you were noticing that there was a a systemic gap in the market there. And I'm curious, what did you notice and what was the need and how did you decide to step in? Sure. So we had decided, okay, we're going to go into this tech ecosystem. We're Trust Noir, on-demand technologies. Everyone's talking about Uber and Handy and Fresh Direct. We should go where they are, the conferences and the meetings and the events where more people are talking about these same kinds of innovations. And so you find yourself in these rooms and yet you can be in a room and still be alone. And it was quite interesting having conversations around beauty and women of color with white men who continuously told me the only thing they know about beauty is what their wives tell them. So I could hear their eyes glaze over. God, I cannot even imagine what those conversations would have been like. <laughs> oh, it was quite, you know, we hear a lot in the in the news about pattern matching and investors who invest in what they know, but it's these untapped opportunities that will actually make you money. So when you get to the numbers, all of a sudden their eyes start to widen and you, you talk about a $15 billion ethnic hair care ended market. And then they're like, oh, what? What'd you say? Uh, so, <laughs> so it was being in these rooms and really understanding that I had something really valuable to say and no one wanted to hear me say it was the impetus behind saying, oh, wow, imagine if someone did want to hear me say it. And imagine if they actually made a lot of money from it. The three of us know that we are working on game-changing technologies. There has to be more women like us out there. And we're all about testing. All we could say was, let's have a gathering. And in 2017, one of Asosa's advisors works at Google, and he allowed us to have a meeting space there. We hoped we would get 50 people. We had over 300 RSVPs. No way. So we were like... Uh oh, there's something here. (laughs) There's something here. Google was not happy. Security was a bit of an issue, but it was amazing. Like it was a very beautiful scene to like look out on a sea of black women, tech entrepreneurs working on cybersecurity, SaaS platforms, medical tech, education tech, fintech from across the country. They flew in from LA, Pittsburgh, Atlanta. And we didn't even promote it, Julia. We put it on Instagram for like a week. <laughs> and then they were like, when you do this next year? And we were like, next year? Oh, I'm going back to Trust Noir. <laughs> Still working on my regular startup. We just wanted to see if we could get together and just share resources and hear from women that are doing it already and put investors in the room. I think that's the part that was also really exciting was that these investors literally put their money where their mouth was. And we had women getting funding and closing their rounds that same day. Crystal Etienne is an amazing founder. She got her first check at our conference and ended up in seven figures by the end of the year. Closed one of the largest Series A rounds last year. We've put over 30 women into investment pipelines, gotten them to close rounds, introduced them to investors in the past three or four years. And that to me is where it becomes real. You're actually moving the needle. It's one thing to give lip service, but actually having tools that you can use to to scale your business, I think is even greater. And that's how you know you're onto something. Did you manage to do the one this year? We literally squeezed through. It was on February 28th and 29th in New York. 
fourth annual conference, we had Microsoft, Oracle, Amazon, Goldman Sachs, JP Morgan Chase, M&T Bank, Adobe, Shea Moisture, just amazing companies. They've all just come to the plate. They've all said, you know what? We recognize the value of these tech founders as CEOs and decision makers, and we want to be in the room for them to know that we are here for them and that there's potential deal flow here. Goldman actually announced their new black and brown founder initiative at our conference. And it's not just the money. Okay, you get a check. What are you going to do with it? Do you have people ready to pay to scale your business quickly? Do you have the customers ready? It's the social capital. It's the intellectual capital. It's the thought leadership that you also need when you can put people together and get them working on these problems you do find that the solutions are still available. Yeah, and I'm so curious now that this was your fourth conference this year, congratulations, that is amazing. And it sounds like each year it's gotten only bigger and more of these big names and more visibility. Mm -hmm. And I'm Mm -hmm. curious what you've learned in these four years because it sounds like what you've created is this container that was needed on a few different dimensions. That initial dimension you were missing when you were at some of the tech conferences conferences of like just a space for people to speak and be listened to. Then there's the whole dimension of like pre-filtering and even matchmaking and getting people Mm. connected to the right type of network that can help them go to the next level. And then Mm -hmm. it sounds like there's also this peer knowledge sharing and Mm. community. Yeah, it's definitely a couple of things that you've touched on. I will definitely say it's about creating a safe space to be vulnerable and to actually ask the questions you need to ask to move the needle on your business. So oftentimes Black women are seen as the superwoman. I have to have it all together all the time. I have to know what my business needs before it does. And we say in our conferences, like, leave that at the door. Let us really have a place where you can learn and not feel like you have to be someone that you're not yet. Sometimes the fake it till you make it, Julia, I just feel like (laughs) it, it hurts more than it helps. And sometimes you just haven't made it yet. And that's okay because everyone started somewhere. I definitely think that there's a community that allows for safe space for that. And the sisterhood part of it is something that's just been like a pleasant surprise. We've been so focused on business and it's all about the money, but then so many women are just like laughing and talking and like exchanging numbers and that sisterhood bond of being in this entrepreneur journey together. I think because so many times it's very lonely. A lot of our founders are solo founders. They don't have a technical co-founder or they may not have a founding team. It's like them on their own in Mississippi, Omaha, Nebraska, trying to make this happen. And so when you can actually get in a room with other like-minded entrepreneurs that understand that struggle, we have to kick them out (laughs) because they don't want to leave. But then also, again, just reminding ourselves that there's economic power here. You know, Black women are the fastest growing entrepreneur demographic in the U.S., have some of the highest levels of education. And so there is credibility here in understanding the types of businesses that we're creating are legit. These are businesses that are validated, oftentimes are already revenue positive. They're past MVP stage. They are worthy of investment. They're worthy of scale. And for a lot of reasons, they don't get access to that money. So being in a room that helps you just validate what you're doing, I think is also really powerful. 
And I'm curious if you've also found the other thing that a lot of funders were missing out on when they look past founders like this it is, is that they would also be creating products or solutions to solve deeper issues or problems or gaps that actually really mattered. Rooted problems, yes. underbanked people who are underbanked in Mississippi or women who have menstrual health problems or women of color that spend a disproportionate amount of money on hair products. So absolutely, these are problems that are very real. They're deep and they have huge market opportunity, billion dollar you know, market opportunity. Especially now in this mm. like crisis time that we're in, I think a lot of businesses are sure. starting to ask themselves the question of why are we actually in business? If it's a real mm -hmm. need that you're serving, that mm -hmm. business has staying power also. Absolutely. The time and the effort and the pain <laughs> that goes into a business, you have to be able to really see the outcome. You know, you have to know that when you invest in and support a Black woman's business, you're investing in her family, you're investing in a community, you're investing in the larger infrastructure, that it means that much to her. Otherwise, she wouldn't do it. I think that's the part that everyone needs to understand. If for us to take time away from our families, take time away from our children, or to walk away from a corporate job that was making a lot of money to do this, it has to be something that is worthwhile. It has to be valuable. Yeah. So now that you were saying at this last conference, you had so many big name companies. Yeah. What do you think they are learning or can learn from mm. working with this group? Also the scope of the impact that Black mm. Women Talk Tech would have. Like you were saying, there's the impact on the immediate group of women that comes together, but there's also a bigger impact that you're having on these companies that they're learning from working with you. And then in whatever they do, even within sure. their own company might actually then yeah. be differently informed. Absolutely. So we've worked with companies that are trying to hack business problems. And yet we've got these small teams that are working on similar problems. And you put a team of Microsoft developers with a team of startup developers and lo and behold, magic happens when you're able to access innovation um, that's outside of that traditional view, you see things differently. You've got a diversity of thought. You've got a different way of applying the same product that opens up whole new use cases. So oh, I think yeah. that that's been really valuable. So coming back to this current moment that we're in, which is so bizarre. And for you, especially, I imagine, because on the one hand, you know, with Black Women Talk Tech being primarily a physical in-person event, and we're not having physical in-person events anymore. On the other hand, being a startup founder, a small business owner, and this moment is crushing small business owners. And at the same time, what I love that you've done over these last four years with Black Women Talk Tech is you've created a community, which is one of the things that people desperately need right now and are realizing that if they're missing, so I'm kind of curious what you're seeing from your own community. How are they supporting each other during this time, given that you've already spent all these years building it? I mean, I imagine that's a huge advantage. So the off an offshoot of Black Women Talk Tech on our chapters. So because women wanted to continue the conversations after the conference was over, we created chapters in 10 cities. So there's nine in the US and there's one in London. And I think that we're definitely looking to leverage all of our digital outreach as much as possible. You know, we've sent out a COVID-19 resource guide, access to loan applications, access to other grant and funding opportunities. We will definitely continue to do that. 
while also saying we're also waving the white flag and saying, look, self-care is real. It's already stressful being an entrepreneur. And if this was the thing you needed to take a break, that's fine too. And this is an abnormal time. We have to have a, a measure of reality and say, look, I understand your dreams. I understand your hustle, but your physical and mental health is paramount. So we want to be able to be a place where you can feel supported in whatever decision that you make. We're going to get through this together. And what I love about that is it comes back to what you were saying originally, the real value initially of this community to be, which is that sort of safe space. All the the struggles that an entrepreneur or business owner would have during this time. And if they don't have that kind of community, that kind of safe space to even have that kind of conversation, I can imagine it'd be really tough. I wish everyone a safe space like that right now. I agree. Honestly, we never intentioned for this to happen. (laughs) So it still amazes me that this community exists, that we have women from around the world that are plugged into our network. It does come back to understanding the struggle intimately because we've seen the community grow and we've seen the larger ecosystem change. So I'm excited to see how we continue to stay together over the course of the next or the rest of this year, I would say, and we'll be stronger for it. Yeah, I agree. I have no doubt, actually, if there's <laughs> if there's anyone that's going to be resilient through this, it's people who have that network and connection and community of support. And I love that you've actually contributed to creating that. So Yay. congrats. I want to recognize you for that. Thank you. I appreciate that. A big thanks to Regina. You can follow her work at blackwomentalktech.com and trustnoir.com. This is Impact Journey. See you next time.